0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco
1: Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode where Marco talked through the complexity and underpinnings of the new search system that he built into Overcast. And it was kind of surprising to me. Um, that the feedback I got from a lot of people about that show was that they really liked it. And what was especially interesting was that a lot of that feedback was from people who are not particularly technical, aren't people who are necessarily going to ever implement a search system. Um, Because I know there's a lot of people who listen to the show more for the businessy or um, marketing types of topics rather than the technical topics. But I got a lot of people who really enjoyed that. And I think there is something to just hearing someone break down a really complicated problem that is a good exercise and a, you know, a, hel- a helpful thing for us to do to just be, you know, and in- encourage our own brains to be good at thinking and to think of, you know, sort of, you may not encounter that exact problem, but it may be useful. And so in that same vein, I'm going to... Uh, this week, largely unpack something that I've been struggling with um, that f- falls into the same kind of category of something that is superficially pretty easy but is actually fiendishly complicated. Um, and that is this week I've been forced to essentially rebuild the step engine um, in Pedometer++. Uh, it turns out that there's an issue and a bug in iOS 12. I don't know if it's a bug. There's, there's a change in iOS 12. That's the, the charitable way to say it. Um, in the way that Core motion requires steps that are from a few days ago, and it causes it to sort of significantly undercount versus the health app, and it's causing lots of consternation and problems um, that I'll get into. Um, But this change is one of these things that for a while I've kind of had ways that I'm working around, and they kind of have been patched around weird quirks in Core Motion, but I just can't do that anymore. So I have to rebuild it, um, and I'm moving it to a system that is based largely on health. But... Um, the process of doing this is something that seems relatively, that it should be relatively straightforward, um, but it's actually not at all. And it's, you know, it's this week has been just, uh, I've, I've been joking with my wife that I feel like I'm spending like half my time just sitting at my desk thinking, like, if you ever, if you ever read the, the the stories of Winnie the Pooh, where he goes to his thoughtful spot and he sits and he taps his forehead and says "think, think, think," like that was that has been me all week because there's so many of these nuances and challenges that take something that superficially should be relatively straightforward. Um, and turns out to actually be not that you have to make tremendous amounts of complicated decisions, and there's compromises, and you end up in situations where you can't do two things. It becomes impossible. And I don't like using the word impossible generally, but it's there's, there is as, as best I can tell, there is no way to reconcile certain certain goals or desires that you have. And I think that makes solving problems like this like the interesting part of what we do. Uh, you know, like the, the displaying of the data or those types of things, the UI parts. You know it's fun and it's interesting, but you know this is where the real rubber meets the road and uh, things get hard.
0: I, I honestly, I kind of enjoy this kind of problem. Like whenever I'm in it, I find that's kind of like the like the good work of a programmer. Like that's that's kind of like the work that we wait for because so often what we have to work on is boring or tedious or oh the login screen needs to accept this new condition. Like that's really boring. But when you have a hard problem to solve. It activates a part of my brain that is curious and loves challenges and and loves to be flexed in that way. If you're lucky as a programmer, you get that
1: maybe 10% of the time, and usually not even that much. Yeah. So anyway, without further ado, uh, let's get started on the actual uh, problem I'm facing. So first, it's probably good to start with, like at its core, what I try and do in Pedometer is I'm answering the question, how many steps did you take today? Like, like at its core, that is what the app is trying to do. So, of course, then you have to ask the question: Well, what is a step? And I suppose intuitively, I think everyone has an understanding of what a step is. It's the thing you've been doing since you were one year old, where you take one, one, le- one you know, one of your legs and you know move it forward to the other one. You take another step, you move the, le- the other leg forward. Conceptually, I think that's something that people understand. And what's complicated though is that turning that physical action into something that you measure and um can track and count um is very difficult and thankfully i'm not i'm not someone who's actually doing the work to do to build the physical monitoring to do this like the geniuses at apple who make the motion coprocessor or the people at fitbit or the people who actually are doing the work you know looking at raw accelerometer data and turning that into steps Um, Because the reality is, based on where you are wearing your monitor, what terrain you are working on, how fast you are going, what you're carrying in your hands, um, all of those things dramatically impact um, what will be considered a step for the purposes of something that is um, being counted. And so there is no truth then about how many steps you took. And this is something that I think I have many customers who – Really get wrapped around the axle with is that they want to have the sense that they took a certain number of steps, the the physical thing that they did out in the world, and they want that that to translate into a consistent measured value on their device. That is impossible, you know. Like the classic example I have is people who go to a track and go for a walk you know they walk around a track a perfectly level flat like no nothing in nothing complicated uh, environment they walk around the track you know say they walk 10 times around the track and one day it gives them a certain number of steps and the next day it'll give them a different number of steps and it's just the nature of the problem, of the exact nuances of how they walked, or even more complicated is when they walk with somebody, say their spouse, and they're like, "I got more steps than they did," and then they have to account for where did they, where are they holding their phone in their pocket, what differences in heights, in gates, um, all manner of things, and sometimes they're even wearing multiple devices, um, which is makes it even doubly complicated. So, at its the one that I care about the most is people who have an iPhone and an Apple Watch. They're both generating step numbers, step numbers, but in either case, is are those ever going to be the same? Um, that's just the, like the truth that I have found um, in in general is working with steps is that there is no all we have is just like the numbers that the the monitors spit out, and then we just have to work with those um, as best we can. But th- well, you are starting with something that's already kind of um, squishy, which isn't great. Um, and then the second part is understanding what do I mean by today or having a sense um, of timing and timeliness for the, for those steps. Um, and we all know that like the four hardest problems in computer science are like naming, caching, syncing, time zones, and off by one errors. Like, like that, those are the problems that really get hard. And unfortunately the step counting thing in- includes three of those um, caching, syncing and time zones. <laughs> um, because, Um, I have to deal with those. But the one that's most complicated for the concept of today is, of course, time zones. Um, Because you take your steps in time, you know, say I measured all times GMT, and you then need to somehow tie that back to the concept of a day. And maybe that's reflecting the current time zone that the user is in um, when you're looking at the steps. But then what should happen to steps you took in the past? Um, or maybe you should have it be tied to the time that the app first saw that step, you know, the first time it measured it, um, and then you could tie it to a logical day. Um, and if you're curious, this is sort of what the Activity app does. Um, the Activity app, so if you have an Apple Watch, you get the Activity app, and it has its rings that measure you know, your stand, exercise, and move. And they show that based on the time zone your Apple Watch was set to um, when that action took place. Um, but which can lead to really weird things like your stand hours. Where if you tra- if you know if you go if you say on a, a, a trans Pacific flight from Australia to California, you're depending on which direction you're going, your day could either not 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 exist at all, or potentially could in the you know, last for 36 hours or really strange and complicated things, but that's the way that they do it. Um, but it's kind of a cheat because Apple's is always running. So they always know the time zone you're in um, when the steps are taken. Whereas third-party apps don't have that benefit. All we get um, is to be able to uh, get run whenever the user opens us for the most part, modulo background app refresh, which helps, but still isn't reliable. So, Generally speaking, what I do is I show steps um, based on the current time zone, and this is the same thing that the health app does, uh, coincidentally. That's it's it's always updated to do essentially uh, twenty-four hour periods that extend back in time based on midnight in your current time zone. Like that's basically what they do, which is great, and um, that works reasonably well, but gets complicated by how you should then store your data. Because um, if you're going to be able to dynamically change time zones, you need to be able to store time zones in a way that you can rechunk it based on changes in time zone. Um, so a naive solution would probably be to just store it maybe steps per hour, um, which... Is actually the first version of the way that I did this, which turned out to be problematic because, um, and this is quoting from Wikipedia, Newfoundland, India, Iran, Afghanistan, Burma, Sri Lanka, and the Marques, as well as part of us, parts of Australia, use half-hour deviations from standard time for their time zones. And certain na- some nations, such as Nepal <laughs> and the Cheltenham Islands of New Zealand, instead use quarter-hour deviations. Oh, my God. So time zones, right? They're great. Um, so if you store an hour devi- if you store in uh, hour long b- long chunks, then you have this issue. If you go to Newfoundland or Sri Lanka or parts of Australia or the Cheltem Islands, and suddenly you you have to you, you know you can't accurately adjust it. So you end up with what I ended up doing is quarter hour <laughs> chunks. Um, so for every day, I store I think it's 96 chunks um, if my math's right there. But you know, so essentially for every 15 minute period. In GMT, I store the number of steps you take, and that mostly works for how you like the concept <laughs> of what today is. Um, obviously, that like that gets really complicated and it's awkward, and I have to store way more data than um, I is really practical in some ways. But that's what I have to do, and all of and just keep this in the back of your mind when I start to get to things like syncing. Um, and caching and those types of issues where it isn't just that I have one data point that I need to deal with, I have you know every 15 minute data points you know spanning back for potentially for years for users. Um, and then one last thing that gets really fun with time zones and in general the concept of what a day is is the when you introduce things like goals and streaks, um, into the application, which is like a core feature, like number one feature of Plus Plus, is that you can set a goal. You know, for most people, say it's 10,000 steps. And when you hit the goal, like the app cheers, you know, like confetti comes down, it's very exciting. And like a core part of the app is that you are trying to hit your goal every day. And If you may have noticed, day, as I just (laughs) explained, is this impossible concept that doesn't mean anything. Uh, And so what should happen if you hit your goal, you have a great streak going, you have a 90 day streak, you're really proud of it, and then you fly to Europe and suddenly all of your concept of days have shifted. And if you, especially if you tend to do your walking at the beginning or end of a day, suddenly you may or may not actually have that streak. And you have to answer the question, well, what do you do? Should you, you know, should I have store somehow the concept of like goal achievements by, um, logical days, you know, for like September 7th, 2018 is a day. And did you hit your goal on that? Well, if I do that, then I have the problem that I talked about before, where then I need to know like, well, how many steps did you take? Or is it just that you did hit your goal, but then how do I show that in the app? And if I don't adjust it to the current time zone. Then you have weird issues where what happens if you do the trans-Pacific flight where they miss a day? Should that break their streak? Um, like if they a day didn't actually exist where they didn't take any steps. Um, so in that case, right now what I just do is I just show everything in the current time zone. And unfortunately, sometimes that means you miss your goal um, because that is the least worst, most understandable option um, that I've been able to find. That's... See, I, I think what I would do is actually store
0: per logical day whether you hit your goal because your goal can change also like like if i if i raise my goal and i didn't reach the raised level last week then i lose my streak you know so like i I think what i would do is i would i would literally store for every known day of past data i would store whether that day's goal was reached maybe for the sake of it what that day's goal was um and then I would also store the number of logical steps I've assigned to that day. And that way it never changes. And so when you're, let's suppose you get launched for the first time it, it, and you haven't been launched for seven days, but you have data before that, you can then calculate those past seven days in local time, save them. And then basically once a day like is quote
1: done, you never revisit it. Does that make sense? Sure. It, it, it's, it's a re- it's a reasonable approach. And like this is the thing that is so like fiendish about this is with like the approach you're describing where the, uh, works, but except for on the boundaries between long periods where you don't open the app, um, and can also get complicated in during the seven, those seven days when that in your example, that user may have traveled dramatically potentially. Right. Yeah. right? And so then suddenly the concept of which day those steps were part of May not actually be meaningful or make sense or be reasonable to them that they'll look at it and say, "Well, if you take a look at the steps in the current time zone, that like it sort of makes sense, but is kind of can be very inconsistent and one thing that I've learned is that people get really annoyed when the data doesn't make sense to them um, that you know if I'm bucketing days into uh you know in, in into logical days like the activity app approach Mm -hmm. if i could do that on a regular basis i think it would work great or and this is something that i followed probably my long one of my longest running health kit radars is if apple stored the user's time zone when they were took the steps um, that are recorded in health that would be that would solve a lot of this problem but in the absence of that what i find is that it ends up with these weird complications where they look at the data and they're like why do i have um, you know, why is this day double counted? Well, if you, depending on how you sh- how you move and change time zones, or why is this day missing, for example, like that could also be problematic. So it's like, your instinct is not wrong. Like, that's the thing. Both of these answers are correct. It's like, they're both just different and lead to different sets of compromises or problems um, that, you know, we, it's like, we just have to deal with as a result.
0: We are sponsored this week by Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or you're deploying a more complex system like what David and I run, Linode is the right choice for you. They offer the fastest hardware, the fastest network, and the best customer support behind it all. It has never been easier to launch and maintain a Linode cloud server. Linode also guarantees 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server is up, they keep it that way. And Linode now offers additional storage, too. Block storage is now out of beta and available almost everywhere, so check it out today. Linode is great for things like hosting large databases, running mail servers, operating a VPN, Docker containers, private Git servers, entire applications like what I do, and so much more. And they are hiring right now. If this interests you, go to linode.com slash careers. Anyway, Linode has fantastic pricing options for their hosting. Plans start at one gig of RAM for just $5 a month. And there's lots of plans above that for all your various needs. They also include things like high memory plans. They start at 16 gigs of RAM and go up from there. Listeners of this show can sign up at linode.com slash radar. This will support us and get you $20 towards any Linode plan. So on the 1GB plan, that could be 4 months for free. And with a 7-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So, go to linode.com/slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use promo code RADAR2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for
1: supporting this show and Relay FM. So, let's just say we move past the concepts of time and space and instead <laughs> Small focus on the, on, the practical, on the practical issues of actually getting these, these mythical steps that we're talking about. Um, so, there's two ways to do that. In um, in iOS and watchOS, um, the first is Core Motion, which is the more raw, direct motion API, and that provides concepts of steps, distance, and floors. If you have a device that has a barometer on it, um, it also includes things like cadence and pace. But for my purposes, I don't really worry about those. Um, and Core Motion is um, Core stores that data for the last seven days. So, um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, as the data gets older. Core motions data seems to somehow change and become unchangeable, untrustworthy, and becomes much more of a scoundrel in terms of what it does and how it behaves. And so um, <laughs> right. it doesn't it becomes unreliable the farther back in time you go, even as you it only stores seven days. but if you ask for the steps from like six days ago, the number you get back will be variant and changeable, and like day to day will give you different values, sometimes go up, sometimes go down. like even though nothing's happened, but this is what it does. And as best I can tell that is a feature, not a bug um, based on conversations I've had. Um, and but it also, the thing that core motion has going for it is that it is essentially real time. And you can even like observe, you can set up like a long running query that says anytime the user takes a step, tell me. Um, and so you, if the user starts walking and or where this actually I hear from users a lot is the say you're trying to reach to your ten thousand steps and you've taken nine thousand nine hundred steps right before bed and you realize this and you're like, okay, I'm going to walk a hundred steps. You want to sort of get confirmation that you've hit your goal before you you know, go to sleep. Uh, you don't want to wait around for that. So you want to have it update roughly in real time. And the only way to do that on iOS is with core motion because the other version on the other way you can get, um, steps is from the health APIs and HealthKit, um, which is in many ways, you could say, the like authoritative source um, on the device. It is the grand repository where all health related data goes to, you know, goes to be stored forever. Um, it's lovely because it goes back forever, essentially, like from as long as the user has maintained a iCloud backup and restore chain, or even now it syncs in iCloud um, and it goes back to whenever the data was collected. But it is um, very slow to update. Uh, on iOS 12, the steps typically don't show up there for at least 10 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes. Hmm. Um, uh, uh, the, but the only exception being if you are in an active workout on the watch, then steps samples are written to the health kit database roughly in real time, um, which sort of makes sense. That in that mode it is kind of in more of a streaming system rather than an aggregation system. Um, but that's kind of awkward because it can take up to twenty minutes. Like it tends, seems like it bundles step updates into ten minute chunks, and then it writes them ten minutes after they were done. So from the beginning of one of those chunks to when it gets actually written can be ten can be twenty minutes.
0: Core Motion does that require uh, permission to access?
1: Yes. Okay. I, I was thinking like maybe they might have
0: done it for like a privacy reason to like to, tr- to pre- try to prevent cross app tracking. Like maybe. Apps we're using like you know step data in real time as as a way to track without you know following the rules.
1: Yeah, no, both of these um, require both core motion and health um, have um, permission and you know, sort of privacy request uh, things in their place. But I mean, who knows? There are certainly issues. Like I get the impression with a lot of this stuff that what you're saying, like there's things beyond the use that I'm using them for that comes into play um, that is just you, know, you deal with, but i mean health also another positive thing with health you can do observer queries that run or like another scheme to get uh um, background time to get woken up that are actually really clever because you can say wake me up whenever the user has taken a significant number of steps and it'll do that so whenever time your your device is unlocked which is actually another side point health is only available when the device is unlocked core motion is available at all times so Something you have to keep in mind, hmm. um, especially if the are built something like a today widget, which is visible when the device is unlocked or is locked, but would not be able to access health in that state. Um, so just all these kind of fun things you have to deal wow. with. Um, and also another fun thing is that health can take data from many sources so it could take data from your phone you could multiple phones if you do icloud syncing including phones that aren't yours potentially so if you and your spouse shared an icloud account and you turn on health syncing suddenly health contains steps from both of your devices combined Um, it can also include devices such as fitbits or other devices users can manually enter health steps into the health kit database it is great in that it pulls all this data together, but is problematic in that you don't necessarily know how to get the data out of it. So ultimately, what I'm having to do is move towards Health because of the issues in Core Motion. It has the benefits of the data is always available and the data just, you know spans back in time. So previously, there was an issue where if you didn't open Podometer Plus Plus for more than a week. Sometimes it would lose. You'd have a gap in data because it would have kind of fallen off the back of Core Motion's queue. With Health, that's never the case. You can go back essentially until you know, since the iPhone 5s was launched, which is as as far back as my Health uh, database goes with steps, I think, or until HealthKit was launched, whichever came last. um, It goes all the way back to there, and so I can do these great big like imports, and it's awesome. Um, But it has all these crazy issues with um, syncing and more complicated and we'll get into now which is really the real fun starts is merging uh, merging and syncing <laughs> i was worried like once you were saying like oh it could take things from multiple devices
0: the first thing i thought of was like well what if you're wearing a fitbit at the same time that you have your phone in your pocket and they're both counting steps
1: yes or even just you have a watch and a phone oh like, man like, like the, it's a it's a great situation that now you know a subst- substantial proportion of my users have and they're both generating steps and they're both generating step counts. So what is the c- correct value to show? Right, because a lot of steps will be counted more than once. Yes. Well, I mean, sort of strictly, um, you would expect that if, if if you put your phone in your pocket and your, your watch is on your wrist and you're walking normally, they both should be essentially, ideally counting roughly the same number of steps, which in some ways would be a great and easy problem to deal with. Um, but say, for example, you're pushing a stroller. Um with your hands. Now suddenly your wrist is not really moving in a traditional way, swinging side to side. So now you are getting fewer steps uh, with your watch, but your phone is still getting lots of steps. Oh Um, man. Alternatively, you could have a situation where your phone is say in your backpack or in your purse and, but your wrist is free. So now your phone, your, your watch is giving you lots of steps, but your phone is not. It's still giving you some not zero giving you zero would be would make the whole problem super easy but giving you (laughs) any number of steps um it gives you is where it gets hard and the way that health deals with this um so like the health database will show you a sort of canonical number of steps um and the way it does it is it has this vague sense of priority um so you can most people don't know this but in health you can go and set which prior which devices you want to be in what order And you can what it does is it looks I think in roughly fifteen minute chunks. um, It seems to it goes through and says which you know which device in order on my priority list has any steps any non zero number. If it has a non zero number, the first one it finds that becomes the step count for that fifteen minute period, and it ignores the rest of them. So if you have one step on your Apple Watch, and by default Apple Watch takes priority over iPhone, which makes sense. But if your so your Apple Watch gives you one step. In the example of you're pushing a stroller, and your phone gives you 500 steps, it'll give you one. That doesn't seem like sophisticated enough logic. Uh, Maybe not, but that (laughs) that seems to be what it does. Um, So what I did initially with with all this, and for the purpose of time, what I'll just say is I do a smart merge typically where I look for in each 15-minute chunk which device only looking at Apple devices. If you're running Fitbit or something else, I just ignore it. Like for me, that would just like hurt my head to deal with the way that other people state it. At least I'll just look at Apple watches and iPhones. Is whichever device gives you the most steps is the one that I looked at, um, which conceptually means that I'm slight, potentially overcounting, potentially, but at least I'm giving a more representative case. And it means that I dynamically switch between devices based on which one seems to be reflecting the most steps, which typically most means best representative because apart from the issues with accuracy of measuring, if it you know, if your watch says you took five hundred steps and your phone says you took four hundred steps, you probably took five hundred steps. Like it's unlikely that it's overcounting in terms of what it's measuring yeah that's exactly what i would do like
0: that's my, my solution to this problem would be exactly that We basically take what whichever device reported the most and say that's because like i feel like over reporting is probably less common than under reporting in all these different situations
1: you know exactly and, it, and it's more honestly for people like they want the number to be bigger like it's not going to be sad which except then they go to health and the health number is going to be different <laughs> and that'll drive <laughs> people crazy too and especially there's all kinds of schemes. Like I've had people who have like health insurance things where like their health insurance is based, like they get a discount if they reach their step goal, say. And that number is the number that's coming out of health, not the number that's coming out of pedometer plus plus. So they thought they were uh. you know hitting their goal every day, but the health system is less than that and is undercounting, and then they're mad at me. Um and but the problem with the health system is it can go down because It can, if you don't sync, you know, say your Apple Watch is your priority device, um, it doesn't sync right away. So it can think, then it's number can start at 10,000 and then drop to 9,000. If you, your Apple Watch comes in, it's the priority device. It has like fewer (laughs) steps and then the number can go down and that drives people crazy too.
0: You have to revoke their confetti.
1: Yeah. I have to revoke their confetti or like they get mad at me and I'm running out of time. So understand that this is the nature of these kinds of problems. Like they are, there is no right answer. Like as you've seen, even and nothing is as simple as it seems. No, nothing is as simple as it seems like, and it's actually a a brief aside. One of my early mentors in programming, I remember specifically saying never, ever use the words easy or trivial to describe (laughs) something in programming. If you do, it is a clear sign that you have a fundamental misunderstanding of what programming is. Nothing is easy. Nothing is trivial. Everything—the the strongest you could say is that something is relatively straightforward. <laughs> um, and if you, like don't, if you don't have that perspective, you are mis- you are making you either making assumptions that you don't know about, or you are making assumptions that you do know about and are going to come back to bite you. And so, don't call anything easy. Step counting is hard, and there is no right answer. So you just kind of do your best, sit in your thoughtful spot, and hope for the best. <laughs>
0: That's fantastic. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.